Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm so excited to share with our lovely listeners our favorite client. And wait, maybe we should take that out. No, I'm not going to. Um, Because we have had the pleasure of working with Socratic for the past three months, almost to the day. We were wishing each other a happy three-month anniversary on Slack earlier before you got on the call, Andrea. But I'm so excited to introduce you to Andrea and Tyler. Um, Tyler, why don't we kick off with you? Just introduce yourself, talk a little bit about Socratic, and then we'll pop over to Andrea and she'll fill in the gaps. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me, Kira. Um, Happy to be here. So my name is Tyler, Tyler Cooper. Um, I am the co-founder, uh, actually, sorry, since working with you, we have changed our, updated our titles. I am now the, <laughs> I'm now the CEO of Socratic. Um, so really my role here um, at Socratic is a lot, I think I do a lot on the biz dev side. Um, I set a lot of our SEO strategies for our clients. Um, I guess I should start with that. You know, Socratic, we are an SEO agency. Um, so. You know, we, we offer SEO services for a pretty wide range of companies um, and everything from the travel industry down to e-commerce. Uh, we work with higher education clients, um, really anyone that is, is looking to scale organic traffic, scale organic growth um, in some way. So, you know, we within SEO, we really consider ourselves to be kind of a, a full service SEO agency. And when I say that, I mean, you know, we do everything from. Um, coming in and offering you know high level consultation, helping helping you set like a larger strategy, all the way down to you know executing that strategy every step of the way. So um, technical SEO, content creation, backlink building, um, we really cover the, the full gamut of, of all things all things SEO. Um, yeah, I've been personally in the SEO world for I, I don't know twelve years or so. I have a joke with Andrea whenever we do any kind of intro. Uh, I have like a new number each time. I don't know the actual number. I just kind of like it. it I'm always waiting. Yeah, it's between like <laughs> Wait, it's between it like be? ten and ten and thirteen. I haven't like thought about the actual like number in a while. Um, <laughs> a long time, over a decade. We'll, we'll say that. Uh, and yeah, I really I got my start in SEO um, back in college, um, where you know. I would I would build these websites from scratch um, with the hope of, of earning some some extra you know beer money from them, uh, and that's really where I learned the, the craft. I learned how to kind of figure out what does Google look for, how does Google make these you know how, how are they deciding what to rank websites, um, and yeah, from there kind of you know learn learn the craft, you know crack the code so to speak. Um, sold a few of those websites for a profit. At one point, you know, if you if you ever went and searched for, you know, what the best blender is on, on Google, there's a good chance that you you found one of my websites uh, and, and went and, and purchased. So funny story about that. I've never actually owned a blender. Um, so oh yeah, just a little interesting. Uh, the SEO really gets a little interesting in, in that in that front. But, but yeah, from there, I, uh, I, I ended up taking a job out here in San Diego um as the director of seo at a higher education marketing firm so led the seo strategies for um, clients like ucf um we worked with american university tulane some some large universities across the country um and that was kind of like my first introduction into the agency world um and then yeah from from there kind of you know 
had been in talks with with Andrea for a while, and that's where I, I kind of made the jump over over to Socratic and starting that, and that was I think five years ago now. So, yeah. I just want to say that I also lie about my experience <laughs> by making it less sometimes depending because saying that you've done something for 13, 14 and 15 years is like sort of a tragedy. Like yeah, I'm like, like what are you doing, wow. Psycho? Or they're <laughs> like ancient. They're like, "Oh my god, this chick is like literally 36." And it's like, "Yeah, <laughs> I am." And they're like, You're "Whoa." Revealing yourself. <laughs> So anyway, um, but I love that background. and I love that story. And Andrea, let's jump into you. And if you could also add in a little bit about how you and Tyler met, because I asked that question. And I think that people are immediately going to think you guys are in love with each other. So let's just get that out of the way. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) So I'm the co-founder alongside Tyler. I'm the COO. First time saying Mm -hmm. that as well, since we've recently revealed our titles. (laughs) Um, Tyler and I met in college, so he was already graduated. We both went to Florida State and he was graduated. I was about to graduate and we just had like a mutual friend group and became friends that way. But right as I was starting my career, studied English, which is like, I mean, who even knows what to do with that? But um, one of the jobs I was applying for, SEO was a requirement. So that's when I called Tyler and I was like, hey, I know, I know you do this. Like, what is it? And how can I sound like I know what I'm talking about to get the job? So really, Tyler helped me get my first job in SEO. And then, yeah, I started my career at Visit Florida um, in Tallahassee. Worked there for a few years on the SEO team. And then fast forward years later, once we started Socratic, then I went down more of the operational side of the business. Because for the first year, we were both just the only two. We were both dividing and conquering the SEO work. And then we were like, well, someone probably needs to actually like grow the operation side and like make this a legitimate place to work. So it's kind of funny. Like it's a joke we have now that like, Oh yeah, I used to do SEO work. It's kind of funny. <laughs> now I'm just like full-time team development, uh, working with, you know, you guys to try to help us scale that side of what we're doing. So yeah, we go way back since, since college. So that was, I don't want to reveal ourselves, but like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the things that I'm going to prompt you a little, because I think one of the things that I've always thought was really interesting about working with partnerships is, and we have worked with a few, some of them have actually not worked out and we've been part of that process as well. Um, and the advice that I've always, whenever I ask people, like if you're thinking about going into a business partnership, like what is your advice? And I've never actually had someone say, you should do it and do it like this. They're literally always like, maybe don't. So with hmm. in the interest of putting you both on spot on the spot, how would you answer that question? I, I can, I can go. I, I think there's uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, is setting clear like roles and, and expectations for each individual um, and, you know, defining what your role is as each person. Um, because that, that kind of helps clear up a lot of, a lot of questions. Um, it helps make you feel comfortable knowing that like that person is, is handling, um, you know, their, their side, that side of the business. You don't have to worry. You kind of had that, that cognitive load is balanced in a sense. And I think that, that really, for the first couple of years, we didn't really have that. Um, and I think like Socratic really started to scale once we really set some boundaries and said, okay, I'm going to worry and focus on biz dev and SEO strategy for our clients. Andrea is going to focus on team operations, you know, making sure we have like the framework in place to be able to scale. And I think that's really like setting those those roles and expectations and responsibilities is is, is extremely important. 
Um, another thing that I, I don't know is I think we're, we're lucky in this sense. Um, I don't know if this is a requirement, but, you know, Andrew and I have very opposite personalities and very opposite ways of, of going about things. So I'm very much like an idea guy. Um, I kind of I throw a lot of shit at the wall. Can I curse in this podcast? Yeah. Um, <laughs> throw a lot of shit at the wall. This is and, HR um, after all. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Um, you know, I throw a lot and, and I'm not the most, I'm not the most organized. I'm not the best at like getting that stuff into Asana and making sure it gets executed on. But Andrea is, she's really good at seeing things through, making sure that like these crazy ideas that I have actually have a chance to come to life. Um, so I think that that's what works really well between us is that, that kind of balance and that yin and yang. Yeah. Andrea, what would be your, what would be your advice on the other Sorry, I stole, I stole two of them. I don't, I don't, I don't never <laughs> <have them. laughs> Yeah, I was going to say something similar to the second point that you had. Like, you have to understand what you share and where you differ. Like, I think maybe it was luck because we were friends before we started a business. Like, we had inherent trust. So we already knew that the other one was, like, a really hard worker, get shit done. Like, Tyler had already been an entrepreneur. I, like, worked with him on some projects here and there. So I think that was already established. So we knew, like, that was shared. That's never been... A question of like how much is each person invested in this it's always been the same but where we differ i think is yeah like the skill sets what we're good at and just knowing what that is so that yeah when tyler like has an idea or wants something wants to see something happen like i'm just taking i'm just making it into a to-do list in my head like while he's talking and i've had a boss oh in a previous job like in my review he was like you know i don't really know how to summarize this professionally but your top quality is you just get shit done. So I think like that goes well with, as a COO, with a CEO and an entrepreneurial person, like whatever needs to happen, like I'll make it happen, but I'm not the one saying like, this is what we need to focus on. Um, that's Tyler. So I think, yeah, knowing knowing the roles and having that trust that like you both are invested the same amount in the business because we've both been part of a company where there are owners and like Tyler's experience you can speak more to it. it was positive from what I know. And then for me, I saw an agency go south in a very short amount of time with two partners. And it was because they just didn't put in the same amount to building the business. Like one partner was all in, they were so focused on it. The other one was just like MIA. I probably saw them a few times in the office. So like I saw exactly how it does not go well. And I think that's part of it is like, you just have to be on the same page with with what this means to both of you. Yeah, and that kind of lends itself to the next question. So Andrea, if you could talk a little bit more about the previous experience, we call it like your villain origin story, kind of like, because <laughs> when you know, we're interviewing a lot of CEOs on here, we're all doing HR, so we're the HR villains, like let's just embrace it and move on with our lives. Um, but I think that we really do react to the experiences that we've had in corporate. And one of our goals for this podcast is to take all of our you know cumulative experiences, negative and positive, and talk about how that has shaped us into the leaders that we are now. So I think it'd be really interesting to hear how that experience in that agency or even in other jobs has kind of informed the way that you approach managing and leading your team. And then Tyler, I'd love to hear how your more positive experiences or even some of your negative ones after Andrea too. Yeah, so thinking back to my first couple of roles, they were definitely corporate, like eight to five, business casual in the office. And that structure was just so intense and we only got like five days of PTO a year or something crazy like that. So a lot of that um, restriction, it felt like restriction at the time, like that's driven how I want our culture to feel at Socratic. That's like 
we're really flexible. As long as you work hard and get shit done, like don't really care when you start your day. Don't really care how many days a year you're taking off. Um, so that like rigidness is, I guess that has driven me in the other direction of like, I don't want that here. I want everyone to feel flexible and like they own their, their work life. Um, and then the agency experience. So I've only before Socratic, I've only been at an agency for six months. So luckily Tyler had a lot of agency experience so we could work on building one. But yeah, I was the first hire. I was their first employee. And I really respected these guys. Like I'd worked with them for years. Um, they were big role models to me professionally. So I was so excited to be their first employee. I moved cities for this job. And yeah, I just saw kind of just it all fall apart essentially because one of the partners, it was just like so unequal. And if you're assigning those roles amongst a team, like everyone just needs to do their part for it to happen. So um, it was eye opening, just like you can't, you can't always predict how things are going to go with clients and accounts and sales, all of that, tons of that is not in anybody's control. But um, as far as what you say you're going to do, like, if you don't do it, it's a pretty fast way to fail. And I was a part of that. It was, it was very eye opening. Ooh, <laughs> that sounds like a blast. What about you, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, to speak on the on the positive side, um, I think like a lot of a lot of what I just talked about is something that I really like learned from that experience and from you know it was actually a partnership as well in the agency I was working at. Shout out Robert and Clayton from Circa Interactive. Uh, I'm sure they're watching right now. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, like they, that they were great examples of, you know, two individuals who had very different skill sets um, that were able to like to build a culture around hard work, you know, work hard, but also play hard, um, you know, very much like get your get yourself done work, you know, and you're going to, you know, we're, we're going to reward you for that. And like, you know, we're going to have fun doing so. Um, I think, yeah, Robert and Clayton both, like, like I mentioned in the beginning with with Andrew and I being different, different and like how we approach things, Clayton being very much the operations man, Robert being very much, you know, strategy and, and kind of driving things forward. So, um, yeah, I think, I think both of the, that really impacted a lot about how like I view Socratic, um, and how I like, you know, strive to make like a strong culture and really, a, you know, a, a strong partnership. Yeah. And with that, like to dig in a little bit more when you're, it sounds like you took that experience with, and also, I just want to quickly say that, like, all of us as leaders want to have some employee on a podcast in, you know, some non-defined number of years saying, like, I learned so much from that person. Like, I think at the end of the day, when we're leading these people, we just want to we want to know that. So, like, truly shout out to those people, because there aren't too many times when I interview people on this podcast that anyone has much to say that's very good. But not only does it seem like you had a great experience, but you also kind of modeled and sought out a relationship that was after kind of what you saw there, which is maybe... I don't know, like it may be something that could be really impactful for people to truly understand to see it somewhere else first, see it work. And then instead of running away from the things that don't try to embody the things that do, which you guys are a great example of. So I think that's really cool because sometimes it's hard to picture. Um, mm -hmm. 
within your team, you do have, and I'm not going to you know throw out a bunch of confidential stuff, but you've <laughs> built a team that has a lot of moving parts and a lot of dedicated people. And there is this kind of undercurrent of what's going to be next for these people. It seems like the motivation isn't just how can we put them in their job and give them the title, but also like, where are they going to grow? How is that going to look? How can we make those statements now? And that takes a lot of confidence. So when you guys those decisions, and I'm sure there's friction, not just about the individuals, but about their skill set, stuff like that. What is the strategy for, I guess, getting on the same page when it comes to the way that other people work, even if they're not, you know, necessarily reporting to you? Because it sounds like you each have a similar pull. You know, it's, it's, it feels like you often agree or, or you always agree. Is that part of it? Like, do you want to always seek out a way to agree on these big decisions, especially on the people side of the business? I think the answer is yes. I think we, we do tend to agree, but it's almost like a requirement for anything to move forward to agree with the caveat of there has been a, a point we were advised that you should assign outcomes to each owner. So like ultimately team ball is in my court. So if like we're deciding like a big decision for a team member, like of course we talk about it, hopefully we agree. But at the end of the day, like I potentially have veto power over that. Whereas like on the SEO side, if there's like a strategy discussion, I'm like, wait, that makes me really nervous to interact with that client that way. Tyler doesn't agree. Like he has veto power on that. So I think like there's a couple uh, like things like that, that we do lean on in those circumstances. But, um, but yeah, I think on the hiring people team, because we are so small and even though we're, strategizing and structuring it so that everyone is rolling up to one or the other of us like we still tend to be kind of on a lot of those calls too like it is kind of like our managers have two bosses so we do like really need to agree on on decisions yeah 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 i mean we and we you know we haven't run into many scenarios where we we don't see like i mean we have for sure differing opinions uh, as 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 you would expect um but like we talk it out and we, you know, we have honest conversations and we play devil's advocate and, you know, luckily that's, that's worked for us so far. And I think like, had we had to default to like that veto power, I think that is kind of a nice thing to have a place where we have, you know, going back to that initial thing that I said, like we have the ownership, we have the roles and responsibilities for each of us as, as leaders. So, yeah. Yeah. One yeah, thing I've noticed with, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to add one more thing. Like I do think the sounding board aspect is so incredibly helpful like yeah. between Tyler and I like I can't really even imagine trying to run a business grow a team do all these things on my own just without having that like just it all being writing on me that sounds it's really different than my experience but it's so helpful to like know that he's going to have a different opinion and see what he thinks and get his perspective because I think it'd be a lot harder without without that so sounding board is is a plus I would say about a partnership yeah, I mean, we always try to, especially even just working within like maybe a CEO and their number two, like, or, you know, for me, it's always Kylie. She's like the person I'm always interacting with and helping with. And like, she's always has opinions and wants to serve, has really her like guts in the weeds with all of the stuff going on and compliance and all that. But it's not helpful to have someone that doesn't feel comfortable disagreeing with you. Like living in an echo chamber is like not going to push the business forward. So it's, I think that oh, I that's have no one thing problem is. With that. 
non-issue here. (laughs) And I think it's rare. Like people will turn away from opportunities to be in like these great partnerships or great collaborative communities because it feels uncomfortable. But really like that's why you can continue to grow and continue to push each other. And it's looked down upon like friction is looked down upon. But really it's like, no, like friction is kind of where the magic happens. So I think that's really cool that you guys have that. And I've been able to observe it, but I haven't always felt really comfortable asking people in a public space more about this um, because it's awkward. But for you guys, it feels very genuine and it feels like you have like a real solid like care and understanding for each other on a personal and professional level and you're invested in each other's growth. And that also has translated over to your team. Like truly it is a trickle down culture. Like it seems like you really care about the people that work for you and their Mm. professional careers and things like that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give some I'll give some kudos to Andrea on that because I think like I think it works because she is like probably one of the kindest and most genuine people in the world. So <laughs> it's you know it's easy to it's easy she's able to like take a lot if I if I'm frustrated or not or or, or whatever um, you know she's not like snapping back at me she's she's just a like a genuinely nice person so I think that that makes that that piece of it a lot easier and I think like you said that it speaks to like the rest of what we're doing and trying to be genuinely good to to our employees and just you know. Be kind, essentially. Yeah. And I think you, we always think that all of our clients are going to come in and they all are going to want the same thing. And I think I've actually told Andrew this before. Like, I just thought, oh, we're going to templatize this and like plug it in there, run some state law audits and be done with it. But the culture that drives behind all of your policies is so different for everybody. And it does feel very balanced between this is a very technical skill set and SEO. And we're going to dig into that next. But there's also this very human element, which I think could probably kind of seep into the way that your clients see you too. So let's talk a little bit about that. How, first of all, let's just for the, for the dum-dums like me, (laughs) talk about what is SEO and like, why, why is there some weird stuff that my website keeps sending people to? Like, what, what have I done? That's a um, no, what, and, you know, I think most people listening would know we have websites. We understand we have a meta description or like Yoast or something. But like, what's the what's the overall summary of it? What's the point of it? And, you know, kind of just give us a, a jumping off point there. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Um let me think the best way to like frame this for the for the dummies, as you say. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think like <laughs> a good way to look at it is like this: is you know there are billions of websites. Everybody has a website, um, and for any given thing that you go to Google and search, there's only ten spaces, right? So let's say that you run an HR consulting firm, um, and someone goes into Google and types in HR consulting. You know, if you don't have SEO, which stands for search engine optimization, if you're not optimized for search, there's a really good chance that you're not going to be shown in those first 10 clicks. And one of like the oldest, lamest SEO jokes is, you know, where where is the best place to hide a dead body? Second page of Google. No one goes there. So, you know, what we're doing is we're helping businesses, we're helping organizations get found online via organic search. So. When you go to the search engine page, um, you'll notice there's typically whatever search you have, there's there's three or four spots in the top that are ads. Okay, those are those are those are positions that you can essentially pay to play, right? You can you can pay to, to run those ads and, and get shown without really any any additional effort. As long as you're the highest bidder for the most part, you can get the you can drive those clicks. What we're focusing on conversely is the organic side where these are free clicks. So, you know, there's a, there's a ton of, not to say there's no value in, in ads, of course there are, but 
we really see a, a, a lot more value in this organic presence because if you can earn those top positions, you're essentially driving free clicks and free traffic for the entirety of you being in that spot. So one way to look at it is if you wanted to compare kind of digital advertising versus SEO is like investing in your 401k versus investing in, you know, uh, I don't know, like option trading. Um, so SEO, it takes a bit longer to drive those results, right? There's a lot going on with, with kind of long-term consistent execution of creating new content and getting people to talk about your content. But once you're able to kind of get those positions, it's really just free traffic, free clicks for, for as long as you're there. So that's really the value there. Um, you know, we're, we're, able to, we're able to get in front of users. Another, another powerful thing about SEO and why, you know, why search engines are, are so valuable to businesses and being able to drive that traffic is because, you know, you're able to get in front of users when they're actively searching for whatever it is that you're selling. You know, the difference, like, for example, if you're running Facebook ads, you're really, you know, you can do a good job targeting people, but you're targeting them based off demographics, based off interests. You're really plopping an ad in front of them when they're not, when they're just trying to look at their friends' selfies and stuff. So on the search engine side, um, you know, if someone is typing in HR consulting firm, I mean, it's pretty obvious what they're looking for. Um, and being able to capture that, capture that demand and capture that click is really valuable and oftentimes has a really high conversion rate. So, um, yeah. Just to recap, SEO, search engine optimization, is really the, the effort that goes into getting your website found on, on Google um, in those kind of organic spots, in those, for that, those top 10 positions uh, for any given keyword. And SEO tends to be something that should be rolled into a overall marketing strategy for a business. Are there any businesses where SEO is not something that someone should be investing in? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of businesses, uh, a lot of times that, that, you know, people, there isn't really a, there isn't really search demand for. Um, so one example might be, you know, if you're selling a, you know, extremely niche product to a very specific individual. Um, so let's just call it like, you know, a, an extremely expensive, like database, uh, like warehouse that only like maybe 10 companies in the country are going to be looking for. Like there's not really a need. No one's searching for that. Um, another example is like, you know, things that like if you're, if you're like a new, um, let's call it like someone reached out to me before, uh, recently and was asking about if SEO made sense for them. And they were kind of a new, like almost like a high noon type of drink. Um, and they were like this, it was a kind of like a pouch essentially, like an alcoholic, like Capri Sun kind of deal, which was a cool yeah. idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the challenge with that, not to say that SEO wouldn't work, but it's, it's not the best for them because there isn't really, it's not really a known industry yet. Right. Like no one's going to Google and searching for alcoholic Capri Sun. Um, <laughs> and so like, if there's not people already actually searching for what you offer, you know, maybe SEO isn't the right play at the time. You can, you can kind of do that demand generation through social media, get that like product known first. Um, so yeah, typically things that just people aren't searching for. I know that's kind of a, a broad answer, um, but that would be that would be an example. Yeah, one thing I was thinking of was um, we. I get these emails randomly for my day job, my Wednesday job, I should say, for like super fast drying swimsuit things. So you like get these things that are like, but they're industrial, so they don't break the way that the ones in gyms do, because you know we work. A lot, around a lot of water and so i just keep getting emails and then i try to look up their website and it's like the most basic thing ever and i'm like are you a scammer or is it just there's no point in you having a website because it's so specific yeah. so it makes a lot of sense because like not many people need industrial sized 
commercial swimsuit dryers that dry right. things in eight seconds. So right. it's like exactly. really <laughs> strange. Uh, but that's what kind of popped up there. Yeah. And so now a lot of small businesses that are probably listening to this, service-based businesses, agencies, things like that, are going to be able to benefit from SEO. What are some small mm-hmm. things that they can do to make a difference now? And I know mm-hmm. I've read, well, I have another follow-up, but what are some small things that they can do now to make a make a little difference, start crawling up to that first page? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the big thing, the easiest thing that people can do is it comes down to content creation. Um, and I think, you know, start publishing blog posts, even if you don't have the, you know, there's a lot of planning that can go into that understanding, you know, you can use keyword research software to understand, you know, how people are searching for given terms. But I think if you go into it and if you don't have the access to that information, um, just, just start writing content, be the subject matter expert in whatever you have going on, um, whatever your, whatever your field is, publish blog posts on a consistent basis, because what that does is it is essentially, it's essentially showing Google that you are an expert in your field. You're providing them with more context around your website. So, you know, the more topics that you're covering within your given niche, um, the more of a topical authority, a topical expert you're becoming. Um, so each time you're publishing new content, you can look at it as like, you're, you're just casting a wider net and giving yourself the opportunity to rank for a wider set of keywords. Um, so I would say that that content creation, um, is, is probably the, like the one thing that's, that's going to be a, a huge driver and something that anyone can really do. Um, and I mean, there's, there's a lot more that goes into, you know, simple optimization items, um, you know, making sure that you have like your, your primary keyword and your title tags of your, of your kind of your main pages, things like that. But, um, that can get a little technical pretty quickly. So I would say I would, I would probably stick to like just the general content creation is, is key. You know, I would love it if one day somebody would answer one of my questions and not tell me that I have to create more fucking content. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, you create I so much content, though. <laughs> it's just like blasting out of me at random times, and then I'm like, I'm dead for six months. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it's, I mean, we've always, it's it's weird. Like, ever since I started my business three years ago, it's like, start with the blogs, start with the blogs, start with the blogs. And then there was like this movement of like, stop blogging because blogs are dead. Just do social media. And I was like, social media is like not where I, I'm not finding a bunch of agency owners. that are like, let me go on Instagram and see if somebody can help me with my compliance, you know? So, um, it all depends on your goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's industry based. Like you really have to ask an expert if it's the right fit or not. And you'll mm-hmm. be able to tell them if you're going to be able to make, make progress for them. But it's really weird. Like I'll look up my whatever, what people are searching for. And it's like not things that I think they're going to, it's my name usually, or like Mm -hmm. Kira HR and like stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I want you to find me when you don't know my name. (laughs) So exactly. That would be great. So I can like, just like, I can do that like Homer Simpson thing and just like disappear into the grass and be like, you guys got this. Um, but on that note, you've worked with massive companies, you've worked with little companies, you've hired team to support you along the way. What are some of the things that you've learned in building an agency that is so adaptable to different types of, of clients that has helped you to make smart hiring decisions, things that you look for that maybe you wouldn't have five years ago, um, especially given that you're not just working with one, you know, celebrity cruise line or, you know, whatever it is, like you have all different types of clients. What are some of those tips and tricks? I feel like this might be an Andrea thing, but. Tyler, for sure. Yeah, I have an idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking like 
we do introduce ourselves that way. Like we, that's like one of our leading things during the interview process is like, we work in all industries and we don't have a niche. We really like getting to know different businesses. Like that's one of the things we consider to be fun because we have considered niching down and then we always don't end up doing it. But um, usually when we ask the question, like, what are you looking for in your next role or what piqued your interest about Socratic? It's, it's in their answer. So we look to see like, is that something that people want? And we usually hear it. They'll say like, oh yeah, I, I work at an agency that specializes in auto and I'm really sick of just working in auto. And I love that you guys kind of touch a bunch of different stuff or that they also find that really fulfilling in their current role and they're looking for that at an agency. So I think it comes up in like the first conversation we have with people. So we know across the board, anybody who's gonna be part of the team, they feel the same, that it's really exciting. And they're also aware they're part of a, uh, an evolving company that things change from day to day. So I think like that mindset of people who embrace change and are excited by it, they also are fine to like jump from account to account, get to know different spaces, different websites, different teams. Um, so that's like part of what we look for in the hiring process. Yeah. And yeah, sorry. So were you essentially asking, and you can cut this if you want, um, are you asking like how we, how, how do we adapt in like with big clients versus small clients? And how does that like, yeah, yeah. So I wanted kind of a little bit of the back end in relating to how you hire team. And so I think Andrea kind of answered mm -hmm. that. But on that note, I mean, if you're I think I can see where you're kind of going with this. People don't like how do you know if you're ready to bring on an agency like Socratic? Like, how do you know that it's time to dive into that? Because we'll go like I'll I, I'll be honest, I've gone to your website and I've been like, whoa, those are really big companies like I'm going to go over here and pretend that I didn't see all that. Um, how do you know if it's, but then I know you have all these people with all these different skill sets and you know, we don't niche down either. HR is the same for everybody. Very similar to where SEO seems to be. It functions the same for everybody. We all follow the same laws. You follow the same principles. So I guess on that note, sort of what would be the deciding factor if you were to bring somebody in that you thought you could help, like how, what level of business do you have to be at? Do you have to be making a million dollars a year? Does it, is it something that people should invest in when they're just starting out to like get things off the ground? Are we talking like where, where will this make the biggest difference for small businesses in particular? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and with, as with a lot of questions about SEO, um, there's an easy, it's easy to say it depends. Um, but I'm going to do my best not to say that. So <clears throat> I would say that, you know, if you are a company that needs business right now and you like, you don't have the time to invest in SEO, you're, you're new and you need to start driving revenue through the door. You need leads immediately. Um, and you're just kind of getting started. SEO probably isn't where, and you're, and you have like a tighter budget. Like you can only choose one channel to focus on. I wouldn't choose SEO. You're going to need like, especially for a new website, you're going to need some, some time to, to get that age within Google. You're going to need months before you're going to start seeing any kind of progress. Um, on, on the contrary, if you have other channels humming, um, you've, you're an established business. There is a, a very like. You know, there's there's a, a great a large amount of people that are searching for your product each month. Um, that's you know that's a great place to, to invest. If like if you're willing to kind of make that long term investment and you have the budget to do so, then I think SEO is is a great opportunity. Um, so I mean, that's that's usually like a, a, that's something that I see when we're when we're you know, talking with potential clients is understanding like you know what other marketing channels are they, are they running right now? Is it going to be solely reliant on SEO? If so, then like maybe this this isn't a good fit. 
Um, but yeah, I think I think that probably. And I, I think like SEO can work for a company of any size. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to have a million dollars to be doing SEO. Um, you know, especially if you're a local business, right? There's there's a lot of there's a lot of pretty low cost efforts that you can do to um, to help kind of get found there. And you know, when you're working in the local local spaces, it's a lot less competitive, so it requires a much smaller budget to be able to compete. Obviously, that depends if like you know. It's a big difference between like a local personal injury attorney um, versus like a local flower shop, but um, but yeah, yeah. And with that, I know that you have there's okay. So you can go on Fiverr and you can Google like SEO person. They yeah. can send you a quote and they're like, "Here's some stuff I saw, and it's eighty five dollars." Yeah. And I'll make you be on Google page one. And I'm like, whoa, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Can can we talk about how that's not real? And also why investing in a company like yours where, Tyler, I know that you really want all the people on your team, even if they're not actually doing SEO work, to understand what it is that this that you guys do. You want mm -hmm. your operations people. You want, and I know Andrea's shared with me that it's really important that they don't have to be experts, but we have to have a solid understanding across the board, which makes your team a little different. So that yeah. might be part of the answer. But can you talk a little bit about, A, why that other guy was wrong, <laughs> and yeah. B, um, why work with a team like yours? Yeah, so, you know, Going into starting Socratic, one of like the one of like the core um, like I guess pillars of, of the why we're doing this is because the snake oil salesmen of, of SEO have really given the, the industry a, a bad name over the years, um, and you know I was kind of tired of defending SEO as this like real business opportunity for for others um, because so many people have like tarnished its name you know they're offering these wildly cheap services that are ultimately just going to end up hurting your website and not helping you so I feel like we mm. had to do a lot of work to you know to kind of work back from that and to convince people that like hey this is a real marketing s strategy this is like a proper channel that can drive you real business to your company um, and we're going to do so honestly. We're going to we're going to be ex as transparent as we possibly can, so that you know we're not just over here. Because SEO is one of those things where there's not a ton of like tangible things for you to grab. A lot of times, like what we want to, some of the issues I found in the past are you start doing SEO and the client's like, well, what are you guys actually doing? I don't actually have anything to hold, right? With like web design, you have a new website that gets published. Um, with SEO, sometimes a lot of what we're doing is is in the back and, and not really seen um, on that kind of like. In, in, in clear view. So a lot of what we do is we try to be as transparent as possible. Um, we have like, we go over the top with, with our processes and, and with our documentation. Um, so that there's no surprises. You see like every step of the process is clear. So, you know, going back to the, on the other side of those guys you're finding on Fiverr, um, you know, they're doing the opposite. They're, they're providing you with, with really like spammy things. So for example, a lot of times what they're doing is they'll offer you like backlinks for a hundred bucks. Backlinks, for those of you who don't know, are really, and I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, apologies, but um, backlinks are really one of the core ways that Google builds its algorithm and ranks websites. So essentially what a backlink is, is an external website has a, you know, a link back to your website, um, and Google essentially uses these as votes of confidence. So the more links you have coming in, the more that Google is able to trust you and say like, oh yeah. This uh, you know this website is actually about HR consulting because they have Wikipedia providing a link saying HR consulting, right? So that's kind of how they build their their maps, they build their their trust system, 
And, you know, people know this throughout the years. Uh, everyone knows that, like, backlinks are really, like, one of the hardest things to acquire within the SEO space. And it's also because it's, you know, it can really drive the most results. So what has ended up happening is you have these people who are offering backlinks for super cheap. And they're really just going out and it's just, like, spam. They're just getting, like, you know, blog comment links that aren't really valuable. They aren't driving any, any, any actual results. Um, and ultimately, they could be putting your website in jeopardy from getting penalized by Google. Um, so... You know, and, and really, like, a lot of the things that they're, you know, they're not actually executing on the things that they're saying. Um, so I think one of the big differences between that and what we do is, you know, we, our, our service, our offering is we don't have any kind of cookie cutter package. You know, we come in as a, as a true consultant. We understand your business. Um, we understand what your problems are, who your target audience is. And we put together a custom proposal based on your needs, based on your business, um, you know, understanding how your how your target audience is searching. It's a completely custom s solution and strategy for each client. It's kind of a headache in the proposal process. But I, again, I think this creates a, you know, a much better product and we're actually driving results, right? Like nothing keeps me up at night more than, you know, me, like wondering like, hey, like, are we just are we doing things and, and it's not actually working for them and clients are paying us, but we're not driving results like. That is, I, I want to avoid that at all costs. So we put a lot of work up front in the proposal, actually building a strategy out almost before we even have the business. Um, and so, you know, a lot of a lot of our feedback from clients has been, you know, they, they really value us as like true partners. We're not just we're not just some vendor that is, you know, cashing checks and, and sending them reports every month. You know, we're with them, you know, on a consistent basis, providing answers that go beyond just SEO. You know, anything within the digital marketing realm, they're relying on us. They're leaning on us. So. I think like one of our one of our greatest strengths is that kind of that really personalized experience that you get and building a strategy that's actually going to drive results and not just going to be, you know, it's 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 like a cookie cutter package that you see a lot. And I hate that um, because not every business is the same. Not every niche is the same. It's going to be, you know, you're going to have a different a different need for whatever the keyword is. So. That's my long answer. Oh my I mean, <laughs> the amount of things I know about backlinks after building those job descriptions. <laughs> I sound like such a genius. Like the other day I was like, well, maybe if our backlinks were working better. And I, was like, <laughs> I don't know who I was talking to, but they were like, what? Um, but on that note, I think that there is so much value that is like how we want to do it. Like we want to do business where it's not just like, like you said, snake oil salesman, trial by fire, like see what happens. Like hopefully I'll be a business in a year. And SEO is really about those businesses that are serious about committing to the long-term success and the longevity of building a business model, which I think is a great way to market. Um, what on, on kind of the, the last the last thing is, is there anything else that you guys want to share and add about your experience in building a team? Because there's been ups and downs, like that's how you became our client. Um, building a team, some things that were surprising for you. And then of course, try to end on a positive, but um, I know you have amazing people, so it shouldn't be too hard, but I just want to kind of end it there, especially because we are in this unique situation where we've been working together for a few months and there's been so many ups and downs. Like we never promised, we always say quiet HR is good HR. So when we get our clients, it's not good. <laughs> so if anything, it's either stressful or overwhelming or scary, or there's something happening. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you guys have been figuring this out for a long time. So I'd love to know, like a lot of people listen to this, just wanting to feel inspired, not only about how to make their business better, but also what are we going to do if we decide to build an agency and what you guys have learned about that process so far? Yes, it is. It has been a journey. 
um, especially these last few years as we've really focused on growing a team. But I would say I have learned that it is an art and a science. And there's a lot of HR that's like, this looks great on paper and these things all add up and okay, we're done. But then at the same time, you're dealing with people that have goals and aspirations and they want to feel good about the work that they're doing and the growth that they want to be able to see where they're going. So um, in terms of like, if I was talking to another agency owner who is just getting started, I would say like, be as transparent as you can. Like it shouldn't be a secret when people are able to achieve a promotion or like what you're hoping to see them do in three to five years here. Like you can share your vision. And I think that helps everyone be more invested in who Socratic is when they know like they're a really serious part of it. And we see them here for the long haul if that's where they choose to be. So it is a, it is a, a beast <laughs> to grow and manage a team in a good way. It's just really become like my full-time uh, role, but it's, it's really rewarding and it's really exciting to see people growing within the company, especially when they're here with us for a long time. So yeah, I think just being transparent and like making everybody know that you're, you're their cheerleader, like you want to see them succeed. I think that goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I agree on the, on, what totally about you, on, on, the on the transparency side, you know, and even just to, just to like add to that even more, um, as a, another specific example is like something that we started doing was, you know, having like an open accounting, right? I think like that was another, I think, important thing to bring. It's essentially bringing everyone on the team along with you, right? Like instead of hiding, you know, what's how, how healthy is the business? You know, I want, we want everyone to feel like they're a part of like driving the success of the business. They're a part of this thing that we're growing together. So I think that's what's really important um, to, to building a strong team is having people who are, you know, they're motivated to, to see this through with you. They feel like they're, they feel like they're kind of, they're along for the ride with, in, in building this. So I think like something as simple as like open accounting and sharing like quarterly revenues and, and what, are, what are our revenue targets for the year and how is everyone contributing to that? I think, you know, is, is, is really important. And I think is, has been like a, a really impactful thing that we've started to do. Um, and yeah, it just, just goes along with that, that full transparency thing with transparency with our team and transparency with our clients. So. Yeah, I love that. And it's, it's really a commitment that you're making to your team to do that. And I know that it doesn't always work for everybody because it is an investment of time and energy. And there's often when you're transparent, there's also explanation and especially when it comes to money. But if you you can't really be like, I'm transparent, here's the numbers. Now I just basically threw them on your back, like good luck figuring that out. Like that's right. not what you guys have done. You've been more strategic about like, I'm almost like cautioning the audience. Like I'm like, this is all <laughs> yeah. very good. But also it's not quite so simple. It's took a lot of effort on both of your part to be intentional about building a culture that welcomes people in that want to be a part of that. And that kind of, I don't want to say pushes people out, but people know exactly who they're working for and where they fit and they can find the door and that's okay. They can move on if they want to. And it doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means that that's not the right fit for them. So there's a lot of work and effort that goes into being transparent. It's not, it's not quite so like, here, here's the numbers. Like, how do you feel about me now? You know? (laughs) Right, right. <laughs> um, well, I know we went over, but I think this was like super, super valuable. And it was so fun to chat with you guys about all of these things and how they all mix together. Where can people reach out to you? Where can people find you? And how can they pay you money? <laughs> they can find us uh, on our website, The Old School Way. We've got Socratic LinkedIn, Socratic Instagram, where we talk about all the cool cultural things we do, like our recent meetup in D.C. Um, yeah, those are probably those are probably our best bets. Website is socratic.agency. 
Socratic.agency. And yep. it's, well, we'll link everything there too, but I'm also sure that, you know, depending on, you know, what, what search engine they're using, you, you guys will pop right up. <laughs> she find us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here's hoping. Um, but we'll be sure and uh, link everything and you guys will get those backlinks on your website too. That's right. Because um, it's a team effort, but it was so great to have you. You guys truly are the best and it's been so fun chatting and thanks everybody for listening. Thanks so much. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up. <laughs>